0: Hello and welcome to episode number forty-six of the Scottish History Podcast. My name is Owen Ennis, and this week we had a little poll on the Facebook page about what this week's subject was going to be. It was either going to be Stirling Castle, Carlaverick Castle, or Eilean Donan Castle. You'll never guess; Eilean Donan Castle was the winner. So this week, join me for episode number forty-six as we learn a little bit. About Elan Donan Castle. Eilean Donan or simply the Island of Donan is a tidal island which sits at the meeting point of three seawater lochs Loch Long, Loch Duich and Loch Aush. There is a legend that says on Loch Duich three brothers went fishing one evening and found three seal maidens who had shed their furs and had assumed a human form. The three brothers stole the furs with the intention of making the maidens become their wives. The youngest of the brothers, however, had a change of heart and returned his fur to his maiden. For his honesty, the maiden's father allowed the youngest brother to visit the maiden every ninth night. The middle brother lost his maiden when she found her fur and left him. And the oldest brother went on to burn his stolen fur, which burned his maiden to death in the process. It is believed that the island of Donan was the site of a Christian monistic cell in around the 6th or 7th century and was dedicated to Donan of Egg, who was martyred on the island of Egg on the 17th of April, 617 A.D., There is, however, no evidence to support this theory of a cell on the island. However, evidence of an Iron Age or very early medieval fortification has been found. Now we jump into the 13th century, and this is when the story of the castle truly begins. During the reign of King Alexander II, who reigned from 1214 to 1249, the Norsemen were still regularly attacking the western part of mainland Scotland. Donan proved to be well positioned to become a strong defensive position against the Norse invaders. Again, according to legend, the son of a chief of Clan Matheson had the power of communicating with birds which brought him into favour with King Alexander and was then asked to build a castle to protect the realm. It was at that time a large curtain-walled castle was built. Likely it was larger than the castle that sits on the island today. Sometime later, the castle passed to the Mackenzies of Kintail, who were originally vassals to the Earl of Ross. The Mackenzie's garrisoned members of Maclean's and Macrae's in the castle due to strong ties between the three clans. Now once King Alexander III had regained the Western Isles back from Norway after the signing of the Treaty of Perth in 1266, the Earl of Ross wanted his castle back and the Mackenzie's refused. This led to a long, bitter feud between the Earl of Ross and the Mackenzies and their allies. The Mackenzie clan do claim that King Robert the Bruce stayed on the island during the winter of 1306 into 1307. However, there is absolutely no evidence to support this. The castle and the area escaped harm completely, it appears, during the First War of Scottish Independence. By the thirteen forties, it is said that the Mackenzies had been defeated by the Earl of Ross, who granted the area of Kintail to Ragnall McCrory in 1342. During this time it is believed that despite this, the castle was held by Duncan Macaulay on behalf of the Mackenzie clan against the Earl. It is around this time that more Macraes moved to Kintale from the Bewley Firth area and gained favour with the clan Mackenzie. The Macraes then became the bodyguards of the Mackenzie, being dubbed the Mackenzie's Shirt of Mail. In 1427, King James I wanted to pacify the Highlands of Scotland so he travelled to Inverness and called for the principal clan chiefs to meet him there. Upon his arrival, several of the clan chiefs were arrested, along with the young Alexander Mackenzie, the 6th Earl of Quintail. Alexander was spared from imprisonment and execution, unlike his fellow chiefs, and was instead sent to school in Perth. With Alexander out the way, his uncles then tried to seize control of Kintail, including Elandon and Castle. However, Duncan Macaulay in Donan continued to protect the castle on Alexander's behalf. Now before I go into this little bit, obviously just remember folks, I don't speak Gaelic, so I'm going at this in the best way that I possibly can. I'm having my best guess at it. Macaulay then called upon Finna du Mac Gilchrist to go and retrieve the young Alexander to which he succeeded. Mac is believed by clan historians to be the founder of the clan Macrae in Kintail. The first Macrae to hold a major title at the castle was Christopher Macrae in 1511. This was after the Mackenzies were branded as rebels in 1503, after which a feud occurred which ended in the Mackenzies handing the castle over to the king. In 1539, Donald Gorm MacDonald of Sleet on the Isle of Skye ravaged the lands of the MacLeods of Dunvegan and then attacked the Mackenzies of Kinlohu, where the brother of Christopher Macrae was killed. Gorm Macdonald learned that Elan Donan was very weak in defence, with only two men garrisoned there, and he launched an attack. During the attack, the two men that had been garrisoned at the castle were indeed killed. But Donald McGillchrist of Clan Macrae showed up just as the attack started, and he killed Gorm Macdonald, which caused the rest of the Macdonalds to flee. Donald McGilchrist's own son, Christopher MacRae, then became the constable of Donan, and himself having to deal with yet another clan feud between the Mackenzie's and this time the McDonald's of Glengarry, which lasted for 25 years. The castle, in a way, though, has become famous because of the events that occurred during the Jacobite uprising of 1719. On the 11th of April 1719, the Jacobean troops, led by George Keith, the 10th Earl of Marischal, the Marquess of Tullabarden, now known as the Duke of Athol, and the Earl of Seaforth, who was the Chief of Clan Macrae, along with 300 Spanish Marines, landed at Donan. This was due to it being Mackenzie territory, and the Chief felt it would be good for recruitment, which it was, with over 500 men joining up. However, the army, even with over 1,000 troops, still had way more weaponry than they actually needed. So they decided to store some of it at the castle at Donan, with a garrison of around 40 Spanish soldiers whilst the rest marched onwards to Inverness. At the beginning of May the British government, Royal Navy, sent five ships into the area on a reconnaissance mission of which three of them were sent up Loch Ausch. These three were the 50-gun HMS Worcester, the 44-gun HMS Enterprise and the 20-gun HMS Flamborough. When they came across the castle on the 10th of May, 1719, They laid anchor and under a flag of truce they tried to negotiate with the Spanish troops. The Spanish troops, however, started firing at the landing boats sent ashore and the three ships then bombarded the castle for well over an hour after which gale-forced winds forced the boats to shift anchor elsewhere. The following morning on the 11th of May 1719 a Spanish deserter of the castle revealed the location of a nearby house being used to store gunpowder. As the navy approached however the Spanish soldiers burned down the house. All the while the other two ships continued to bombard the castle until early evening when finally under heavy fire a landing party was sent ashore and the Spanish troops surrendered the castle, along with the cache of 52 barrels of musket shot and 343 barrels of gunpowder. The government troops then burned down barns containing foodstuffs such as corn and spent the next two days demolishing the castle. When the castle was fully demolished, it had taken 37 barrels of gunpowder to do it. The rising of 1719 ended the following month when the Jacobites were defeated nearby at the Battle of Shiel, due to being poorly equipped. All of their weapons had been at Donan. The ruins of the castle and the island remained untouched for over 200 years until 1919, when a man called Lieutenant Colonel John McCray Gilstrup bought the island and began to rebuild the castle based on the original foundations that remained. The building took 14 years to complete, a break-in building had to take place, of course, during World War II, and was completed finally in 1932 as a private residence. Its iconic three-arch bridge was not completed until 1935 and was built purely to ease access to the castle. In total, the restoration at that time cost £250,000, which is cheaper than most one-bedroom townhouses in Edinburgh these days. However, when you count in inflation from 1919, that's roughly just under £13 million. In 1955, Donan Castle was opened as a tourist attraction and it is now ran by the Conqueror and the Macrae family in 1983. Now, it is widely claimed that Donan is the most photographed castle anywhere in the world. Now, this may or may not be true, but it is without question the third most visited castle in Scotland, behind only Edinburgh, and stunning Castles, which is incredible. And I find it incredible just purely due to its location. It's just five miles outside of the Isle of Skye. It's not just down the road like Edinburgh Castle. It's miles away. Now, if you haven't been to Donan Castle, then you've most probably seen it in a film. Movies such as Highlander. Some people will argue it's the greatest film ever made. You're wrong. It's also in James Bond, The World Is Not Enough. It's also featured in a film called Maid of Honour. And most recently, it was in the film called Mary, Queen of Scots. With that in mind, it is definitely a place for your Scotland bucket list, without question. As on this episode, we've only just really scratched the surface. Inside, the castle is absolutely stunning. Now, again, some people do get a little bit disappointed when they find out that the castle is basically a 20th century building. However, the history that lies underneath that is so much more. So, if you're heading to Scotland in the future, hopefully that's going to be very soon. We are, of course, still in lockdown. and I, I have had quite a lot of emails about people wanting to visit Scotland and uh, wanting advice on that. Don't plan on coming to Scotland until 2022 is basically my advice. That's what most companies are saying. Uh, If things completely open later on in the year and it's something that you fancy doing during the winter, then by all means. However, if you're planning on a summer vacation, don't plan it now. Wait till 2022. Trust me, you don't want the letdown of not being able to get here during the summer. Simple as that, folks. So with that in mind, again, you know, we've only scratched the surface on Neil and Donning Castle. I haven't given away too much, um, but just a little bit on the history of it. So I hope that you've enjoyed that there. Um, So that's it for this week. Next week, I'm going to come back at you with either Stirling Castle or Curl Laverick Castle, one of those two, uh, because I've been meaning to do an episode on either one of those for quite a long time. Um, A lot of you probably didn't vote for Carl Laverick Castle because you don't even know what it is, but trust me, it's a fantastic castle there. So, Anyway, if you want to get in touch with me in any way, you certainly can. You can do that via the website. uh, That's www.scotthistorypod.com. There's a wee email link on that that you can send me an email. You can email me directly. Instead, if you prefer, that's scotthistorypod at gmail.com. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just search on the social medias for the Scottish History Podcast. We're of course on YouTube and we have three episodes of Whiskey Wednesday up on there just now. YouTube.com forward slash the Scottish History Podcast. All one word. Alternatively, you can get straight there from the website. That's the scotthistorypod.com. Now, for any uh, reason you want to support the podcast, which of course is always grateful, but it's not necessary, you can do so via either buymeacoffee.com forward slash Pod. That's for a one-off donation. Or you can choose to become a patron of the podcast through Patreon, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash Scott History Pod. and for either £1 or £3 per month or the equivalent in your own currency, uh, you can support the podcast that way and you can cancel that at any time. So once again, folks, thank you so very much for listening and I will speak to you again next week.